0: sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
1: 20 people have now been charged in Southern California with running birth tourism schemes, allegedly to help Chinese women travel to the U.S. to have babies here so they'd be U.S. citizens.
2: What the president is calling on the Congress to do today is an all-of-the-above strategy, but all-of-the-above includes a wall. All of the above includes a physical barrier in the critical high density areas where our law enforcement community says
0: it's most needed. I'm not waiting for this committee. And I've told a lot of people, I don't expect much coming out of the committee because I keep hearing the words that we'll give you what you want but we're not gonna give you a wall. And the problem is if they don't give us a wall, it doesn't work. Without a wall, it doesn't work.
3: Everyone in the Senate ought to be able to say unequivocally that killing that little baby is wrong. This doesn't take any political courage. And if you can't say that, if there's a member of this body that can't say that, there may be lots of work you can do in the world, but you shouldn't be here. You should get the heck out of any calling in public life where you pretend to care about the most vulnerable among us. And now, Stacey Washington.
1: Welcome back to the program. We were unable to get to calls last hour, but we have time now. And so we're going to launch into those first. And then, of course, we're going to turn to uh, Ben Sass really bringing out the big guns on this issue of infanticide. Because yet another state has brought forward legislation. Same kind of stuff. Babies born alive. They want, the, they want the right to kill the baby. Let's go to the phones. Jacob in Alabama. Thank you so much for calling in today. Happy Friday.
4: How you feel, sister?
1: Doing well. How about you?
4: Oh, bless you. Again, get any better, I'd have to be twins. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you, what, what they're trying to do, they, you know, this whole situation is uh, the Democratic Party is showing more and more that they're satanic and it's going to continue to be ramped up. The thing about it is they want to emasculate and micromanage um, Donald Trump um, by what they're doing because that's, that's, that's the devil. But the key is we have to begin to get ready to pray. Congregations have to get ready to vote as a whole congregations for 2020. Mm. And if we don't, what happened with uh, uh, Brother Donald Trump when he got put into office? because God chose him for that, just like uh, uh, Sister Sanders was saying. He had Amish people who were hitching rides to the polls. God's will is going to be done no matter who he has to use. And also, too, Ocasio-Cortez, he allowed her to get in. She only got in with 10% of the vote of the Bronx in in that district.
1: Well, because so the the reason why she has to be at the forefront and she has to be out there is because it's time for the Democrats to reap what they've sown in in operating this way, kind of dancing with socialism and, and promoting it. And now they have a legitimate socialist within their ranks who is putting forward these policies and they find them radical. Well, that's what they were hoping for now that they're getting what they asked for they all of a sudden have a problem with it. Jacob, thank you for calling the show. Matthew in Oklahoma, thank you so much for calling in today. Happy Friday.
5: Hey, ma'am. Thank you for taking my call. I appreciate your uh, content, everything you do. Um, thank you. And I wanted to point out something real quick. I've been trying to get this message out for a while, but um, part of the, the fix to the social media you know, to fix the, the medicine issue, uh, is really just to give doctors and healthcare providers a tax incentive. If you do 50%, like let's say that they get 50% off of their tax bill for everything they do, that they do pro bono, everything that's free, um, it would give them an incentive. But it would also take care of every healthcare issue, I think, in the United States. And it would get the government out of our uh, healthcare system entirely. And, um, you, you know, I think one thing that might be added to that. I think some of that would be that the people who accept the, uh, the free health care from that provider would uh, agree not to sue them uh, just to kind of protect the doctors as well, and it would keep their insurance costs a little lower, and I think it's one of the things, I think if, if this idea can ever get out there and ever gets you know, uh, taken seriously, I think we'd fix the problem. I think this mm-hmm. would fix the problem.
1: Well, um, I got to say, there have been other ideas similar to that. The Heritage Foundation put forward a number of white papers with similar types of things, you know, the cost sharing, uh, the ability to have doctors form associations so you could deal with them directly instead of having to go through your insurance, the ability of people to form associations so they could create relationships with insurance companies and incentives for doctors to do more, more pro bono work everything you're saying is something that has been brought forward, but we have a group of people who are unlike the guest I had last hour, Tos and Figaro, who's willing to sit down and talk about almost any option just to, to, to solve problems. We have a party, the Democrats who they don't want to solve problems. They only want their solutions and their current slate of solutions is straight up socialism, which leads America down the path to Venezuela. Um, But I do, I, I appreciate you calling in to the show with your ideas. It's, it's past due time we considered those options and made them a part of the, the discussion. Let's go to Randy in Missouri. Randy, thanks for calling in to Stacey on the right. Happy Friday.
2: Hey, happy Friday. Thanks for taking my call. I wanted to chime in on the abortion issue with the uh, New York bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I kind of like to rename it the Baby Parts Procurement Bill. Procurement is a term that's used by the organ trafficker, traffickers and people that harvest the ab- uh, aborted baby parts, and I think that these bills are, are an advancement of, of organ trafficking. Um, if you, uh, I also think it has to do with the encroachment of socialized medicine and what's coming down the pike in the future under socialized medicine. A lot of people forget that um, uh, uh, Margaret Sanger uh, was, a, was not just a socialist, but she actually started the birth control league uh, Planned Parenthood um, because of the advancement of socialism. And uh, it's just uh, it's, it's awful. The, the, the Virginia governor, he, when he made those comments this week in regards to the uh, attempted bill in Virginia, he actually used the language that is used in, I think it's called, an, uh, an exposure abortion. Uh, Jill Stenick did a, a video on that uh, based on her experiences with that, being a nurse in a hospital. And so you can kind of see the, uh, the writing on the wall. It's almost like a scene out of the movie Coma from years ago. Um, socialized medicine at its best, I guess, or its very worst.
1: Hmm. So. I, I'm, I just, I'm, I'm tired of the, the fact that we have half of the people, fully half of the people, who are just going on and on and on with stuff that they know doesn't work. And they're just doing it because it's basically like football. I'm for my team. You're for your team. And we can't, we can't even discuss anything else. You just have to be for your team and I just have to be for my team. I have to wear my team's colors and I can never say anything bad about my team because my team, no matter if they're the best or they're the worst, they're my team and I'm always for them. That kind of attitude has infected politics and it makes it so we can't even have a conversation. I, I just think it's crazy. It's, it's craziness that this is where we are. Um, but thank you so much, Randy, for calling the show. Um, and ew, this us go to Peter in Tennessee. I'm just looking at the call screener software. Peter, thank you for calling the show today.
6: Hey, Stacy, I just love your show. I'm, I don't make a very good racist. Um, oh. <laughs> I just wanted to hop in here and say that, uh, you know, what they're doing with the abortion is uh, just absolutely disgusting. You know, once upon a time, The Democrats just had bad ideas, but now it's just turned pure evil. Uh, You know, I've I've got six children that, you know, uh, I did not abort up to the ninth month, you know, and I just don't understand how anybody can think that it's okay to kill them. You know, there's, there's more than a decade's worth of human beings that any one of them could have been a great president.
4: Hmm.
6: You know that's something that that that, that you know doesn't never get brought up. But you know there's there's more than a decade's worth of people. You know that first ten years that would be plenty old enough to be a president by now, or or, or you know potential president, and and they're gone. You know it, it, it can't be. And there's you know great doctors that could have been. There are great. You know, so many things, and it's just absolutely vile and disgusting what what they have done. I mean, it's not even that they've proposed it now. They've done it. It's, you know, here it comes. What? We're at. How do we come back from that?
1: Wow. Um, I, w- I agree with you, and I remember playing on the show some audio about how the president, or it was actually Rand Paul. Rand Paul was on the floor of the Senate, and he was talking about how many Every year we abort 4,500 geniuses. We abort, you know, so many doctors and so many lawyers. And what he did was he took the statistics of the number of those babies that are born every year, and then he took the number of babies that are aborted, and he did the percentages and came up with, you know, statistically speaking, out of every so many 100,000 babies that are born, so many of them will be... Grow up to be doctors, engineers, lawyers. So many of them will grow up to be, uh, you know, they'll be identified as having genius level IQs, et cetera, et cetera. And it was just a staggering number of very talented adults, but they never get there because they've been aborted. And remember, we have babies who are born and they're they're tested as geniuses. They come from all walks of life. Same thing with the doctors and the lawyers and the engineers and the firefighters. It it really isn't a matter of only these types of people are having abortions. Abortion impacts all groups across this country. And the idea that we need to expand it so we can abort babies after they're born is just crazy. I I just don't understand why we're even having this conversation. So thank you so much for calling the show today and for listening. We really appreciate that. Um, So I'm, I'm looking here at the clock. We have a few minutes left in this segment. And speaking of abortion... Ben Sass has actually thrown down the gauntlet. He has proposed a bill that would outlaw infanticide, which I already thought was the case. But let's listen to him describe what he's planning on doing. And he's daring the Democrats to vote against this bill. It's number three.
3: Everyone in the Senate ought to be able to say unequivocally that killing that little baby is wrong. This doesn't take any political courage. And if you can't say that, if there's a member of this body that can't say that, There may be lots of work you can do in the world, but you shouldn't be here. You should get the heck out of any calling in public life where you pretend to care about the most vulnerable among us. There should be no politics here that are right versus left or Republican versus Democrat. This is the most basic thing you could be talking about. We're talking about a little baby born alive and we have a public official in America defending the idea. Well, you could have a debate about killing her. That's why today, I'm starting a dual-track legislative process to make sure that this body has a clear-eyed look at the issue before us, has a clear-eyed look at this atrocity, and to make sure that the 320 million men and women who are actually our bosses, to be sure that they have a clear-eyed look about what we stand for. Do we stand with those little vulnerable babies in desperate need of care and comfort and support medical treatment and food? Do we stand with the comments of the governor of Virginia over the last two days? Tonight I'm beginning what's known as the Rule 14 process. It's an expedited procedure for floor consideration of my legislation, the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act.
1: So the Born Alive Abortion Protection Act would make it a crime to allow a baby to die or to kill a baby after they were born when the intention was to abort them. And so the reason that this legislation is so important is, and I hope if you have kids in the car, maybe you should just flip over, but I, I need us to understand why this is important because you might think, well, infanticide is already illegal, but not after an abortion it's not. So basically what we're saying is if the baby's on this side of the womb, it's illegal to kill it. But if it's on the other side of the womb, you can still do it. Now, if that doesn't turn your stomach hold on to your, your, you know, your, your uh, pine cones. Here, here it comes. The issue is that this has happened many, many times before. It's a well-known fact within the abortion industry that the later into the pregnancy you get, the harder it is to kill the baby because it is a baby by then. It, and it's a baby the whole time, but what I'm saying is it's bigger. And if you watch the movie Gosnell, you'll have a picture in your mind of what I'm talking about because he said things about these babies, you know, it was big enough to catch a bus at the bus stop, things like that. And he would still terminate these babies. He would kill them. So they need to be able to have this as a permission because it's happening more and more often and they don't mind it, but we do, we mind it. We don't want this to be the rule of law in our country that you can kill a baby after an abortion. All right, when we get back, we're going to have Brody Petska, founder of Spark. This is a great organization. Keep it here.
7: Hello, I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. You know, on our spiritual heritage tour of Washington, D.C., we go to the Supreme Court. That's one of the places we go on, on day one. And we visit the inside chambers. We go to where the justices sit. And it's an amazing Place to visit, the Supreme Court of the United States. We don't just look at the outside, we go to the inside and see where the justices sit and where oral arguments are heard. That's just one of the places we visit on one of the days. We're in Washington, D.C. And we also go to Mount Vernon, the home of George and Martha Washington. So we're going in June, we're going in September. June's almost full, September will be filling up soon. If you want more information on this spiritual heritage tour, Go to spiritualheritagetours.com. That's spiritualheritagetours.com. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson.
8: For the last few days, I've been talking about the book, The Coddling of the American Mind, written by Jonathan Haidt. He and his co-authors set forth three foundational untruths. One of those is the untruth of us versus them. Life is a battle between good people and evil people. The authors argue that the human mind is prepared for tribalism. They even provide psychological research demonstrating that. But that doesn't mean we have to live that way. In fact, conditions in society can turn tribalism up, down, or off. Certain conflicts can turn tribalism up and make them more attentive to signs about which team a person may be on. Peace and prosperity usually turn tribalism down. Unfortunately, in the university community, distinction between groups are not downplayed but emphasized. Distinctions defined by race, gender, and sexual preference are given prominence. Mix that with identity politics we see in society, and you generate the conflict we see almost every day in America. The authors make an important distinction between two kinds of identity politics. Martin Luther King Jr. epitomized what could be called common humanity identity politics. He addressed the evil of racism by appealing to the shared morals of Americans using the unifying language of religion. That is different from what we find on college campuses today that could be called common enemy identity politics. It attempts to identify a common enemy as a way to enlarge and motivate your tribe. The slogan sounds like this. Our battle for identity and survival is a battle between good people and bad people. We're the good guys and need to defeat the bad guys. Why is civil dialogue and discussion hard to find today? The coddling of the American minds helps us understand what is happening and how to prevent our conflict from getting worse. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my Point of View. Take Kirby and the Point of View team with you on the go with the Point of View app. Search for Point of View Radio at the Apple or Google Play stores.
0: This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
9: Welcome
1: back to the show. Thank you so much for being here. You can find out more about what we're doing at AFR.net and UrbanFamilyTalk.com and we also would love to have you uh, subscribe over at stacyontheright.com. Right now, it's my pleasure to welcome fantastic young man that I met at an event that you might have heard me just going on and on about because I got to meet Tucker Carlson and take a picture with him and shake his hand and he signed my book um, and at that same reception at my friend Shannon's house. We were um, meeting a lot of different people and running around and just having a great time. And I met four young men who are from this organization called SPARK. It is Students Protecting All Rights for Kids. Now you might think, what's that got to do? Oh, it's fantastic. And this is going to be such a pleasure to speak with these young men, because one of the things that I love is when you see a problem and you say, I'm fixing that. That's what these kids are doing Brody Petska, welcome to the show.
10: Thank you for having me. Uh, I also have Dylan O'Neill and Mason Petska with me as well.
1: Okay, I'm sorry. Who do you have with you?
10: Dylan O'Neill and mm-hmm. Mason Petska, my brother.
1: Okay, perfect. Thank you guys for joining us today. So you feel free to chime in because I can't see you, so I can't point to you or anything, but I'm excited to speak to you about your group. So first off, for the listeners, how did this begin? Why did you start a group in your high school?
9: Um.
10: Well, we started in middle school, and we basically realized that there was a lot of uh, unfair treatment of students. And uh, when we got to high school, we realized that Common Core was a big deal, and there was a lot of indoctrination going on with uh, students, mainly political bias in the classroom. Uh, a lot of people are favoring certain political affiliations more than others. And uh, yeah, we kind of we yeah we formed in middle school. And ever since then, we've been just trying to get rid of the indoctrination being placed upon the students.
1: So how has it worked? Because one thing that listeners are going to be thinking, I know, especially if they're moms like me, where I'm, I'm always looking for something that helps my kids to be more independent and to think more for themselves without compromising their learning. But one of the things that also happens is, you know, you'll start a group at school and immediately the whole group is ostracized because, you know, the, the teachers are like, well, look at them. They're trying to go against us. How did you find it after the group got up and underway? And and it's been in existence for a while now. You have some years under your belt.
10: Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, it's a good question. Um. You, you basically just have to. You got to keep going. You gotta. You gotta believe in yourself. And yeah, the administration at our school, they didn't really support us. But you gotta remember that that's okay. When you do the right thing, you know. Sometimes there's not going to be a lot of people on your side, but you still gotta do the right thing. And when you have a a group. That's really good, and you know you guys care about each other. It really works out very well. Um, I'd like to add that the community uh, around our county in Camdenton, um, we've been on local radio here and had several articles published about us and, and locally. And the community uh, loves us for the most part. And uh, most teachers even will come to us and, and tell us that hey, we support what you're doing and stuff. We don't want to be handicapped into you know teaching this way uh they like what we're doing but they can't really say anything about you know publicly supporting us uh outside of just private conversation because they'll get they'll lose their job from the administration
1: wow so uh
10: yeah but there's you know that's just kind of part of standing what's up for what you believe in you know i mean if you got everybody in the whole world bikes you, you probably never stood up for anything so
1: well um I love what you started your answer off with, which is you have to keep going, whether you're res- getting kudos or whether you're facing opposition. If you're doing what's right, you have to keep going. You're pretty mature for your age. I've seen you, so I know you're young, but you're 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 speaking the language of of grownups because there's a lot of grownups out there who, when they face opposition, they just give up. You're you're on the right path there. So let's talk now about what your future plans are. You hope to have these Spark student groups in high schools and middle schools and possibly colleges across the country to empower America's youth who are not a part of the liberal agenda to stand up for their beliefs and to not be kind of forced into the, the like forced into the matrix, if you will, where they can't think for themselves, they can't have a differing opinion. How do you go about doing that, getting more chapters across the country?
10: Well, um, yeah, right now we're, we're in the works of putting large in a lot of schools in Missouri and Kansas. And then after that, we want to you know keep spreading throughout the United States. Um, and yeah, we think that you know there's a lot of people out there, there's a lot of students out there that, that need a spark. They need a group like this to stand up for something, stand up for what they believe in. Because a lot of students probably think that if they if they speak up, they're gonna get in trouble. They're not gonna get the grade they want. And I think sparks really important to be put in schools. And a lot of times, there's, I mean. Education in general right now is pretty liberalized. They're teaching opinions, they're not teaching facts anymore. So it's very important for the next generation of not only this country, but students in a – they need to know the truth. I mean, they, might be, they cannot be indoctrinated to verbal belief. That's not what they believe. Yeah.
1: So the, the opportunity is for – because I, I already emailed between you and a, a lady that's in the school district where we live – who she has a group of, of really great kids and they're not necessarily political, but they're not appreciating having the liberal agenda fed to them at school. And she's thinking of, you know, connecting up with you guys and, and starting a chapter in her kids high school. And that's what's needed, because I think if you're alone, if you think you're the only one, it can be very demoralizing. But if you're in a group that's meeting, uh, like how often do you guys meet? How do you go about facilitating the interaction between the kids?
10: Um, we we meet several times a week um, we think it's important to meet more than once a week because there's always a lot that's going on in schools there's always there's so many uh, things we see every week there's so many assignments that are questionable I mean with public schools you, you see a lot as a student when you go through high school so and we think it's very important to meet at least a couple times a week but maybe not you know too many times either.
1: <laughs> So, uh, for anybody who wants to find out more about your organization, maybe to um, kind of check you guys out or what have you, is there a website or a Facebook page or anything that people can go to?
10: Uh, yeah, there's a, we have a Facebook. Uh, it's just Spark, it's Students Protecting Arts for Kids, uh, in all caps, Spark. Um, and we also have uh, Instagram, uh, Spark underscore students, that's all lowercase a website uh, that's mm-hmm. now uh, web, and uh, I believe we we are in the working of getting more uh, people around the country involved in this from that and we'd love to like talk with them uh, we have email set up join at gmail.com are trying to get their own chapter started we'd we'd love to have a conversation
1: uh with them okay well um so it's join spark at gmail.com people can email and then they can kind of interface with you they can also find you on facebook it's spark all caps um thank you for to all of you for joining us here on the show and for the work that you're doing i wish you the best with it i think um we need more organizations like this for your chapters should be in every high school across the country so kids don't feel like their viewpoint isn't represented. I want to thank you for joining us today, Brody, and uh, congratulations and good luck with everything with SPARK.
10: Yeah, Thank you for having us. It
1: means a lot. All right. Thanks for coming on. Uh, so we this is exactly what we're supposed to do. You see a need, fill a need. You, you have and these are kids. That's, that's what's fascinating about this. When my friend Shannon brought them that we were all standing in a part of her home. You know, I was basically standing adjacent to the room where Tucker Carlson was. So I could watch him meet all of the people and get, take pictures. Um, like a stalker. I'm telling you, I was just standing there with some other friends and we were all talking about how cool it was to be in the hallway next to the room where he was. Yeah. So anyway, um, and Brody and his brother and two other students, they were so good um, she she brought them over. She's like, You gotta meet these guys. They started a group. And so I shook their hands. I'm like, What's your group? They're like Spark and they start talking about how they're um they've been together for a while, as he said, since middle school, and they're getting ready to graduate. And and one of them, I think he said he was still a sophomore, but they hang out, they they communicate and they support each other. And that's what we're really talking about here. It's a community fellowshipping, really spending time, getting to know, um not just each other, but the issue around which they have formed a group, which is just the fact that they, they have the freedom to believe on the conservative side as opposed to being left-sided. Um, you, you can be right-sided. There, Again, I don't even understand why this is a problem. Why can't everybody just have their own political beliefs? I think that the kind of push should be when you hear students talking about communism or Marxism, that's where you should be questioning why would you believe something like that in America? Look around you. Everything you see comes from the gifts of God and, and capitalism, you know, that, which is an outgrowth of people working hard and having a free market. Why would you want to do something different than this? Or if you do, have you spent any time in a country that's currently run under the communist system? No? Well, perhaps you should, because that would give you a better inclination instead of living in the fruits of capitalism and then railing against it. That—that That is a part of what we're, uh, what we're trying to get done here. And so those kids, great kids. I'm, I mean, it's, it's almost like we can't really say they're kids anymore, can we? They're young adults and they're doing something fantastic. So I hope that their group just spreads like wildfire and they're able to get a ton of different um, people to join in and to do what they're doing. So um, also, I want to kind of point to um, we've talked about the whole Ben Sass daring the Democrats to vote against the new bill and all of that. But remember the delegate, Kathy Tran? You remember Kathy Tran? She says that she misspoke while she was defending the abortion bill. So she's had to begin to backpedal because people are contacting her and saying, You are advocating for killing live babies. Are you aware of what you're talking about here? That is illegal, and we can't support that, and we can't support you. So she's backpedaling a little bit. Here she is. Um, It's Virginia State Delegate Kathy Tran saying she misspoke. Number four.
9: Hi, I'm Kathy Tran, and I represent the 42nd District in the Virginia House of Delegates. I know women in my family, women in my district, and women across Virginia who've had to make the very personal decision as to whether or not they're going to have an abortion. That's why I introduced a bill to repeal the medically unnecessary and unduly burdensome barriers that Virginian women face when they're accessing this health care service in consultation with their doctor. I presented my bill this week and I was really surprised by the line of questioning that I got. This bill had been introduced in the General Assembly in previous years and, in fact, this session was also introduced in our state Senate. I want to be very clear about what's currently allowed in Virginia law. Right now, women are able to access an abortion in the later stages of pregnancy under certain conditions with the approval of medical doctors. I've done nothing to change that. What I have done is try to make sure that women are able to make these decisions and access these services in a timely manner. Since the bill hearing, I've heard from many women in my district and across Virginia who support my efforts to make sure that politicians don't get between a woman and her healthcare decisions. I appreciate their support, and I will continue to stand with the women in Virginia. Thank you.
1: So you don't make a pre-canned, pre-packaged a video like that to backpedal on your comments when you're only getting emails and calls of support just doesn't happen sorry so the idea that she wants us to think that she wants us to think that the reason why she's um I don't know making this video is because everybody supports her and she just wants everybody to know why I don't buy that I don't buy it at all so the only thing that that I think is really what matters if you will let's 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 just let's keep it real here. What matters is whether or not Virginians sent her back to the legislature. If she's up for reelection in the fall, you live in the state of Virginia. What what do you plan to do? What what is your intent as it pertains to this woman? I can't see how I could be, you know, going to church on Sundays and, you know, taking communion and and all of that stuff and voting for that chick. I just don't see how it could be a thing. But time will tell. Um, so I want to pivot over to Elizabeth Warren, who has finally saw fit to apologize to the Cherokee Nation. She's uh, reaching out to them and um, she says she apologizes for any confusion that she caused in her statements about being part Native American, specifically Cherokee, um, because she says her DNA analysis does not mean that she's a part of their tribe because they, they bristle at that. They don't use DNA. They use familial connections. She's actually apologized and I just can't believe this is still a conversation that she's having, but you know, whatever the idea is she's not a white person and that kind of takes you to why, why would, um, why would that be a problem? Why couldn't she just be whoever she is and run for the presidency that way? Why did she feel like she needed to have some identity other than what she is? Just honor what God made you you are what you're God's creation. No need to apologize for it. Just be who you are, and have about some good policies and ideas uh she's She doesn't seem able to do that, so you know, be that as it may i'm I'm thinking that one of the issues that that has been facing us with the wall. It seems like there's a bit of indecision on it. The president has said he wants a concrete barrier. He said he wants, uh, you know, steel slat. He says he he basically just wants a barrier to seal off the border. I agree. It doesn't really matter what form it takes. But a concrete wall would be much harder to dismantle. Um, A concrete wall would meet. It not only would be much more permanent, but it would offer other um, solutions in conjunction with it. And if you look at the walls that have been built on the borders of Israel and other countries, they're not building steel slat, they're building concrete. Um, they're putting up something that's firm and solid, and then they have a huge round of concertina wire, big, huge circles of it going across the top. That's what I think we need here um, on our southern border. And I know there are areas where that won't work, and of course, other means there. And, and But I, I just think we need to be firm that the stronger the barrier, the more we're in favor of that, as opposed to just any old thing. All right. We'll have more breaking news and happy Friday type stuff for you when we get back. Keep it here. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. A District of Columbia restaurant is $7,000 poorer because a mentally ill man dressed as a woman demanded use of a restroom designated for women. Clyde Clymer was inside the ladies room when an employee asked for identification. The employee then asked Clymer to leave the establishment. He reported the incident to the D.C. Attorney General's office as a violation of the district's Human Rights Act, but they weren't done. The $7,000 fine is only one aspect of the punishment. The restaurant is now required to post signage telling everyone that they are free to use the restroom of their gender identity or expression. The transgendered man also received an undisclosed settlement amount for his troubles. The employee who asked for ID was terminated. So, you see, this isn't about tolerance or love or anything resembling liberty guaranteed by the Constitution. It's about making everyone bow down to the left's ideological hobby horse. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com.
7: Abraham Hamilton III.
9: God put us in this world at this time to be salt and light. We don't fool because of the darkness that we're facing. This is not the first time in the world's history that it's gotten dark. God has called you and I to be his ambassadors, even in this dark moment.
0: Tune in to The Hamilton Quarter weekdays at 5 p.m. Central on Urban Family Talk.
7: The uh, Holy Spirit speaks to everybody. problem is most folks don't listen.
0: Lonnie Poindexter
7: they do listen they don't take it to heart or they get fearful or whatever but when you listen and act
8: upon it wonderful things happen and because a man of god heard the voice of god and acted upon it
0: it blesses me today and you as well for listening in lion chasers weekday mornings at 10 central on urban family talk Securing America
1: When seeing isn't believing Deep fake videos An emerging threat As a 2020 election approaches
8: That's
2: when they use technology To create essentially a false reality a, a, An apparent speech by a candidate Where different words are coming out of their mouth Than what they actually said
1: Independent Senator Angus King Calling on intelligence agencies To become more agile In responding to deep fake attacks Director of National Intelligence Dan Coats told the Intelligence Committee
2: It's just a very quickly evolving flood of technological change that uh, it poses a a major threat uh, to the United States and something that the intelligence community needs to be restructured to address.
1: Coates warned it's not just Russia developing new tactics to disrupt democracy. Iran is already using social media to target Americans, and he says they'll continue. In Washington, Rachel Sutherland, Fox News.
0: You can watch a live stream of the show on facebook or youtube at stacy on the right now back to the show on american family radio and urban family talk yeah i think that my comments on abc may have been misconstrued what i meant was i'm not going to bear false witness against anybody i'm going to tell the truth uh, under oath and to the investigators if they have questions Subject, obviously, to the advice uh, format-wise of my attorneys. But I'm not going to do what Michael Cohn has done. I'm not going to make up lies or bear false witness against Donald Trump or anyone else. Uh, The truth of the matter is that even though I'm accused of lying, when I get Adam Schiff on the stand, when I get Eric Swalwell on the stand, when I get other members of that committee on the stand, I'll demonstrate that they're the ones who are lying, not me. Unfortunately, Dr. Corsi has already said a couple things about me that are demonstrably not true. Unfortunately, well, for example, that a memo he wrote me regarding the Podesta brothers' lucrative business dealings in Russia, based on public reports published by Peter Schweitzer in both the New York Post and Breitbart, was somehow a cover story. A cover story for what? What would there be to cover up? My tweet, the Podesta brothers, was not controversial for six weeks. Dr. Corsi said he told me uh, that he told me that John Podesta's emails had been stolen. On Tucker Carlson, he said he told many people that. Uh, with Ari Melber, not really a journalist, he said he's told everybody that. Well, he never told me that, and maybe he can tell us who else he told. Uh, he also said that I knew about the Billy Bush NBC tape in advance, and I directed him to contact. Julian Assange, and tell him to move up or change the, the dump of data to distract from that. Whole cloth. Unfortunately for Dr. Corsi, I have text messages and emails and meta-da- metadata that shows that he's not telling the truth. I
1: know you Wow. So, look, Roger Stone says he's not going to bear false witness against the president. And after the interview we had earlier in the week with Jerome Corsi, um, listening to this audio, it's like, we're, we're just- we don't have anything firm to go on other than, obviously, people who are under investigation who are sharing their, their thoughts and feelings and kind of giving their side of things. We won't know anything until the final report from the Mueller investigation is released. And so does that mean that everyone's guilty? No. Does it mean that everyone's innocent? Well, they're innocent until proven guilty. What we have to do is we have to wait and see what the report says. And I kind of hate that because it's been two years which means a lot of Americans have lost interest in it. They, they really feel, you know, yeah, people have been indicted. Yeah, people have been found guilty of doing things, nothing to do with Russian collusion. But there are other questions. One of them um, is how the Democrats are never indicted. Have you noticed that? So over and over again, over the course of this presidency, just two years, we've seen Republicans getting indicted people who are affiliated with the president getting indicted. And some people say the noose is tightening around the president. I don't believe that the president is guilty, but all Trump associates who worked on the campaign are fearful of having themselves kind of caught up in this net and snared in and questioned for hours and hours on end until they can find something that they, they you know, deserve to be convicted of. But, what about the people on the Clinton side, on the Obama side, on the Democrat side? Let's just list off a few people who we know have lied under oath, lied to Congress, lied to the Senate committees, uh, Senate Judiciary Committee, some people who have actually, their statements don't match up from what they have said on CNN or MSNBC and what they said to Congress. Hillary Clinton, James Comey, Clapper, Brennan, Steele, Strzok, Page, McCabe, or Mr. and Mrs. Rice and Yates. All of them have said things that do not comport with what they said when they were under oath. None of them have been indicted. Lying to Congress, lying to the FBI, mishandling classified information, obstruction, conspiracy, destroying evidence. These are all much more serious than what we're hearing about supposedly happened. So Donald Trump Jr. had a couple of phone calls and he wanted to get some opposition research on Hillary Clinton. That's not even a crime. He's under threat. No one has raided them. No one has uh, gotten 29 FBI agents together to go, you know, execute a knock and announce raid. None of that. I mean, remember when Hillary Clinton sold all of that uranium belonging to the United States um, to Moscow? She sold the rights to that. Yeah, she did that. Nothing. Nothing. Remember when Moscow gave $140 million in donations to the Clinton Foundation? Not a peep. We haven't seen any investigation of that. Um, and if you want to weigh in on this, call lines are open, 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. We're talking about improprieties for the, just the Clinton Foundation, just the Clinton Foundation that are just, it's astounding. How much wrong they've been involved in, and yet here we are, just sitting around. They're they're just running around doing whatever they do, and that's the problem that I think a lot of Americans are having, which is causing a lack of interest for more than half of the country in the investigation into the president and the, the Mueller investigation. I should say, who cares? Um, you can actually go out and do almost anything. If you know there's no way you're going to get prosecuted for it because the deep state's going to protect you, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the deep state protecting anybody who's affiliated with the Democrats. Remember Mike Flynn? Mike Flynn has actually lost everything. All of, his, I mean, he spent decades working to build up all that he had, and he's lost, you know, his home. There's GoFundMe accounts for him to help with the legal bills and all that. He, they've been literally upended over this investigation, and surely there's some, some reason that Mike Flynn is fine to destroy, but you can't touch Hillary Clinton. You can't touch Susan Rice. You can't touch G- James Clapper. He is really an egregious liar when it comes to saying things to Congress that are different than what he admits on television. Now, Flynn was indicted for lying about things that were true, lawful actions that he took, but he lied about them. So he did things that were legal, but he lied about them. He was indicted. Same thing with Stone, same thing with Papadopoulos. Cohen was indicted for testifying negotiations over a Moscow Trump Tower ended in January when they ended in June. One more time. You got the Moscow Trump Tower Negotiations He said, "Oh, those negotiations ended in January, but they actually ended in June." So they got him on that. George Papadopoulos told investigators a conversation with a suspected CIA spy, Joseph Missud, took place prior to him joining the Trump campaign when he knew before their meeting that his appointment was imminent. Semantics: Stone testified he had contact with people solely by phone when he also spoke to them via email and text. Do you remember every email and text you've ever sent Do you, in the context of not having your phone with you because they've confiscated it from you and they're asking you? I mean, I guess you could take the Democrat tack and say, I don't know, or I've never heard of that person before, but that would be lying too. So if you're forced to answer and you don't have any of your materials to reference, then you're being set up to lie, correct? So... Stone also said that he had a single intermediary in communicating with WikiLeaks, but actually there were two people. He said he didn't discuss his conversations with his intermediary, but he did. That's three of the seven charges. Do you, do you hear that? It's, I mean, it's just, it's ludicrous. Most of Mueller's indictments are process crimes that came apart, came came about as a result of the investigation. So no investigation means no crimes. How do you like that? So if there's no investigation, you wouldn't have had any crimes because there was an investigation, basically by virtue of there being an investigation, you're guilty because they want you to be strung up so they can have something to hold over you to maybe force you to say something incriminating about their true target. Does this sound like justice in America? Clapper lied to Congress, as did Brennan and Comey. Um, Comey only remembers things when he has a $15 million book to write, by the way. McCabe lied to the inspector general. Barack Obama weaponized federal agencies and used them to attack his opponents. Remember the IRS Tea Party targeting scandal? Not even an investigation. Hillary sold her office as secretary of state for money. You know, the speeches, the, the donations to the Clinton Foundation. Strzok disregarded his oath of office. He used his power to try to destroy President Trump. He guaranteed he could destroy Trump. And then when he was called to testify, you guys remember those awful days. I watched. I've never seen anybody more callous and arrogant on the stand. He smirked. He, you know, he he thumbed his nose at, at the people who were asking questions and he wasn't arrested. Now, true, he doesn't work for the FBI anymore, but whatever. Hillary actually bleach bitted her illegal server. She destroyed her phones with hammers. Um, which sounds like destroying evidence, sounds like obstruction of justice. No, no indictment. Comey leaked classified FBI memos um, and he did it with the intention of getting a good best friend of his appointed a special counsel. No indictment. So the only people who truly should be prosecuted for doing anything wrong, even if the thing they did wrong is a part of the process by which they're being used to try to get to the true target, is Republicans. And this is with a Republican in office. So I ask you, because I used to, I'll admit, when I first heard the president use the term the swamp, I thought, well, I mean, I know Washington is, it's kind of rotten, but the swamp makes it sound like everybody there is a part of it. The swamp, it's like you're either in the swamp or you're not. You can't be half in the swamp. The terminology made me think, wow, it's, you know, is it really everybody? Well, it's most of the people because otherwise, why wouldn't there be dueling indictments for the individuals that I just listed off? There's enough crime between just two or three of them to keep a special counsel busy for the next 10 years, let alone two years on one individual and, you know, the people around them. Think about all the people who are interconnected when you talk about Strzok, Page, and the rest. I mean, Clapper, Brennan, this spans the entire intelligence community. McCabe or the the two of them as a couple span inside of the government and inside of the political realm. Because they're married. She worked for Fusion GPS. And it just gets more and more scummy the further into it you go. But they're still running around with their MSNBC contributorships and this, this and that. They're completely without any impetus for no apologies, no nothing. It's just, hey, you know, do what it do. So I'm I'm encouraging everyone to pray. Pray over your meals. Pray for justice to reign and for these people to be brought to justice. It's a, it's a bad look for our country when we don't have people being prosecuted for doing these things. Um, and we, we have to be better than this as a country. We have to want better than this for our kids to be coming into as they, as they become adults. So as we close out the show today, it's Friday. Happy Friday to you. I hope you're going to have a fantastic weekend. Restful. Get in the pew on Saturday or Sunday um, and spend some time in the Lord's house I want to point you to the Gosnell movie, Changing Hearts and Minds on Abortion. It's already available on video on demand, and it's coming out on DVD next week. Tuesday, February 4th, you'll be able to purchase the DVD from Amazon, Best Buy, or Walmart. It won't be available at the AFA store, but that's okay. afastore.net. You can get other cool things there. Don't don't leave us hanging. You can go there and get other cool stuff. But for this video, um, you're going to go through Amazon, Best Buy, or Walmart. Gosnell is the enlightening true story of a prolific abortion doctor who was successfully convicted of serial murder for killing babies. You're not going to be able to let your little kids watch this, and it might even be too rough for your younger teens, but your older teenagers, they're going to be right in the wheelhouse for this because you want to catch them before they leave home, and some biology teacher says, due to evolution, abortion is actually perfectly fine. That, that's the kind of crazy stuff they say, and when I say catch them, these are your kids you've probably already talked to them about abortion and, and the seriousness of the issue and how it is a, it's 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 a hard issue, but it's also a crime against humanity. It's a crime against the temple of the Holy Spirit killing another person for your own convenience. So the, they're, you're not going to be able to let the small kids watch it, but your teenagers, if they've had sex ed, they've already learned about abortion, they know what it is. This movie is just like an episode of crime scene CSI or uh Law & Order, Law & Order SVU, any of those types of shows. If your kids have watched those, they can definitely watch this movie. And then I feel like, you know, after I watched it, I had some conversations about it. Um, and it was, it was rough. I mean, it's rough. You, you're not, not going to leave there feeling fuzzy and warm. But it is necessary for us to be informed about what's going on in our country. And as Christians, we have to know what's going on so we know what to pray for. So right now on Video On Demand, it's available for you. Or you can get the DVD next week starting on Tuesday. I wanna say God bless you from the heartland. Thank you for making your home at American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. From me to you, God bless from the heartland and I'll see you on Monday.